you doing? This is Hank Smith from the Gut Podcast. Today's a pretty cool day. It's episode lucky 13. Um, our topics are a little little rough today, but you know what? From the gut, from the gut, baby. Deep down from the gut. So first I'd like to thank the Great Spirit. Thank you, Great Spirit. Come in to us. Help us uh, deliver a good message and uh, be part of a spiritual solution. As always, want to be part of a solution and help people. And let's start with the flute of the day. of the day. I really enjoy playing that thing. Um, I have a collection, probably five flutes now. A couple I've made and a couple I've purchased. Um, if anybody out there wants to sponsor the podcast with a flute, <laughs> open invitation. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. So let's get... Uh, Get into sponsorship here. We always talk about first and foremost the Mojo Homestead. That is mojohomesteadfl.com's website. If you want to see what my wife and I have created in the uh, wondrous deep thick forest of North Florida, man, come and check it out because it's some really cool stuff. We moved out here on a piece of just raw land and uh, carved a little spot out and and we've been here ever since, so that was, uh, it's about three years now, a little over three years. I highly suggest if you, if you have the notion to go buy a piece of property and, and go live off-grid, man, it's, it's a great experience. It's, um, it's challenging, but so rewarding. Um, yeah, so anyway, moving on to the Rode NT1, it's a little, little um, USB mic, that's what the audio for the video is. It's um, plugged direct into the computer and no special stuff, so it's pretty good, pretty good microphone. Um, next is the uh, AKG K77 headphones. They're gifts, just a couple set of headphones. I got the K77 and the, and the um, what else was it, K92s. They're both very cheap, very... Very cheap, but useful and comfortable. I, th I think that's the thing. I have $400 headphones that just absolutely are not that comfortable. Sound really good. It's got great dynamics for your um, your uh, separation of sounds, your highs, mids, and uh, lows. But, you know, doing a podcast, you don't really have to have that technical of gear. It doesn't have to be that technical. You know, I, I say it all the time. I keep this simple setup. Um, because it's just very basic and it gets the job done. And, it, and you know, if you just watch a couple of your levels and make sure you're not peeking anywhere, it's all pretty good stuff and easy to use. Next in line is this AKG C214. Um, it's a nice little um, condenser microphone. I love the voicings on them. That's why I like the low end. You can get that low end out of that condenser. And the diaphragm on this thing is a really nice diaphragm. This is the little sister and of the um, C214 AKG, which is world-renowned for vocals, acoustic guitar, piano, overheads. Just, I mean, you. it's a good go-to amp. I've recorded a lot of guitars on one. So... 
Yeah, if you got like shakers and, and you know, anything that, that, that you want crisp and clean, you know, it's a great microphone for that. But, you know, this is a cheaper one. It's on loan to Zoe Moon Studios, which is the studio we're sitting in. And we'll see how it goes with these sponsorships. And then all this is being recorded. The audio for the podcast is being recorded on the Zoom PodTrack P4. And it's basically four microphone XLR inputs, four mic preamps. You can run a uh, cell phone line into it. It has a switch for a cell phone line that gets rid of all the squeaky, weird noises. And then there's four headphone inputs and four headphone volume, individual volumes, which is really sweet. Each person has their own. So you could do a a, uh, four-person podcast or... Um, three people with a collar, which still four, but you get the point. Or you could take this little thing and just record stuff with it. It's a four-channel um, recorder, like you could, and it's standalone. Has a little um, chip reader. You could put the uh, mini chips in for for sixty-four gigs, and you could do you could do little jam sessions or or. Um, like record live shows or whatever. I mean, it's it's a pretty basic little machine, and they're just under two hundred bucks. So, but this one I purchased, but I have been negotiating with Zoom about the pod track or the podcast um, eight channel input. So we're we're working on it, man. We're we're working on. It. I think they just you know like any other new podcast or anything. People asking them for free stuff. You got to prove it to them. So I always throw these lines in there. If you want free stuff from companies, ask for the cheap shit. Because the giveaways are, I mean, it's, you know, AKG headphones. That's these little guys. They're not bad. They're, uh, you know, probably cost them 10 or 15 bucks or who knows what they paid for them. But they're literally, if you go purchase these, they're about 49 bucks. Anyway, how am I today? I am, I woke up early, uh, about 7, 10 and for many years, I'm a, I'm a 6.30, 7 o'clock guy, didn't need an alarm clock, just woke up, you know. Um, and then I started going through this spiritual cleansing, this wash, this, this change in my life. You know, the, the, the food intake has shifted to, you know, zero meat and all organic uh, vegetarian um, I eat our eggs, but they're absolutely um, free range. And when we supplement their food, it's organic food. So they are definitely organic chicos. Love my chickens, man. They got some some really good eggs. Uh, my wife's done really good stuff with the chickens. So go on the website and check that out. So yeah, today I'm uh I got up I got up early again, but what. Um, what I left out there was for about for about maybe a month. I mean, I slept till like nine, ten o'clock every day, just. And now I'm back to early bird, so it's very strange. Um, I don't really know why. Just when I wake up, I feel no more desire to lay in a bed and and you know just sleep it all away. I. I I don't know. I'm just back at that point where I woke up and here I am. It's early. You know, it's like eight o'clock. And here I am talking to you guys. So uh, good morning to all of y'all. Now, how are you guys? If you're on the podcast, you want to reach out. um, There's a um, message button on the actual podcast. There is email Hank Smith nine zero four at Gmail. Um, hit me up there, or if you're watching the video, just leave some comments down in the basement, and we'll we'll uh, we'll go from there because we want to know how everybody's doing. We want to know if there's growth if things you're hearing on this podcast or anybody who's going to be affiliated with this podcast um yeah let's talk about it and then always always we talk about the prevention of suicide so if you're 
in any way, shape, or form considering or toying with the idea or have attempted before or, or you know, doing some kind of, um, what do you call it, um, fucking around with it, you know, stop that shit. Because it just, it does, it's not worth it. It's not worth this life we live. You know, I always say, come join us. Come, you know, let, come join us. Be be part of the, the, the. I'm, I mean, I'll call it program. We, we, the, the program here is that we want everybody to be safe and feel better and stop all the online fighting and arguing and all that rhetoric it's horseshit you know if you're one of those people that love to bully people online like man fucking stop that shit you know your child self of your version of yourself your child would probably punch you in the fucking face so don't be a bully that's that's like you know don't be a dick but yeah if you're suffering from any sort of depression and, and anything like that come on Come see us, man. Get out here. Um, all right, so here we are. We're going to go into the subjects. Uh, we've I've talked a lot about the left brain, the right brain, the intellectual versus the spiritual. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I said, I don't know which side does what. No, so I just said, fuck, I'll go, I'll do some research. So here it is. Left brain analytical, right brain creative. So I, I kind of was left brain always talking about the psychological stuff and the right brain always talking about the spiritual. So my intuition said it was correct. So I was correct. And here we go. Let's move forward on that. We no longer have to discuss which side is which. Now you know. Um, so uh, coping with loss. This is some, some um, moments. And those moments consumed decades of my life and it's rough it's it's hard shit we're talking about loss um you know coping with death and loss of loved ones and you know first let's start with a loss okay a loss is you know someone who disappears you just they just left your life and that that's devastating you know when when you rely on somebody or you 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 know put put that put them in a place in your life. Like they hold a spot in your life and then, you know, they're gone. It could be a, your brother or sister that decides to move out, your father that, you know, leaves, your mother that leaves. You know, my kids dealt with that. Their their mother's just gone, you know. And um, early days, it was me gone. So, yeah, that's a tough place. That's a tough place where when when people just decide they're, they're moving timelines, you know, and, and sometimes people's timeline shift does not serve us well. And that's tough. That's tough. It creates, you know, fractured parts of a, a spirit and a soul. Like I've watched my son. He's young. He's, he's, um, he'll be 10 this, this next month. And when my daughter moved out, like he kind of grew up with her and, you know, she just moved on to other things and, what do you do? The little kid, you know, needed her. And, you know, she just moved on to others. She wasn't trying to be vindictive or mean. But it damaged him. He cried all the time. She would come visit, you know, he'd cry. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to put anybody's business out there because I don't, I don't do that. I don't, I don't really, you know, discuss personal business with people who aren't right here with me. And, you know, that's a, that's a, a 12 step fellowship thing where you know I learned that there if uh, someone's not present we, we really don't they don't have a voice in the conversation so if we're sitting around fucking talking about them it's gossip it's creating energy that is is very powerful and it it destroys lives you know at least give them an opportunity to to be about it and be there but you know, for sake of this conversation, the, the, the child and the older child kind of separated and, and it took him a very long time, you know, her coming over and leaving, he'd cry some more. And, <clears throat> and I think what happened was he finally started to come of age with it and realized that she's not leaving him. She's just going home and she'll be back, you know, or will be going over there. So he's 
he started realizing, you know, that it's not a complete loss because, you know, that child is a sufferer of of his father being absent. And, you know, when I came along, he was three years old and he's 10 now. So I am the father figure that he knows. And I'm very proud of that. He's my son and, you know, as any other parent would, I'd fuck you up over that kid, but whatever. That's just the way it is. He's my, my boy. That's my boy. So, um... Yeah, when, when people decide that it's time to just move on, like, it's rough. You know, all my kids have, other than my youngest son, have moved out multiple times, which means they've moved back in multiple times, and it's it's always hard readjusting. And, you know, when a kid moves out on their own, they live their own rules. They get out there and they get that freedom, but a lot of times it's hard for them, you know, to, to make it and survive in today's world because... We're in a shit situation in this world where the products cost 10 times more than they did, you know, 20 years ago, but the wages have not advanced. Like it, it's, it's, you know, it's rough. It's rough in this world. So, you know, sometimes they come back home and they have these rules that they have created for themselves where they don't fit the homestead rules, you know, and so it's a clash. It's that clash, you know, and, they, and, and the best way, I mean, fuck. No offense, kids, but the best way to send anybody back on their own way is to create some tough rules for them. And if they can't handle it, they'll move. I promise you, I've I've seen it. And I've also had to put some out, you know, for doing things that I didn't agree with in my household. Um, and that's hard. That's hard. That that That's painful, you know, for a parent to watch their child leave or have to make them leave. That is just gut-wrenching so it creates these you know these sort of fragments in us and then yeah that's tough that's a, that's a hard place to be so you know when when you have these situations happen it's, it's just try your best to constant communicate with people who decided to go but if they decided to go for good it's done yeah that's a tough one so you got to you got to just let it happen. You got to allow it to be part of your story. And actually it's when people leave, it's their timeline, they're changing. It's their story, but we're we're in the details. And it's hard to live in the details of someone's life and not actually be in their life. That really sucks. But yeah, so let's talk about the um the death of loved ones. So Here's just a, a a short list of people that I've lost in my life that kind of destroyed most things about me. Um, first and foremost, when my mother and father split up, like it was a very abusive, I mean extremely abusive. But when they finally split up for good and they left, my father like abandoned, didn't talk to us, wouldn't have anything to do with us. So that was the first loss. The abandonment by my father was just a severe, like it was so fucked up because all the dirty shit he did, you know. I mean, anybody in their right mind would have said, well, good fucking riddance. And, you know, eventually I got to that. But in the beginning, it was just like, I didn't know what I was doing wrong. I, I always thought it was me that I was doing bad shit. So he was destroying me in that process, you know, we're going to beat your ass. I mean, why? Because you did this. When really, you know, it, a grounding or a go to your room for a couple hours would, would have been sufficient, but a, a stripped down, naked, beat on, fucking abused and, you know, drunken sexual abuse is some pretty tough shit, you know. And then the motherfucker just decided to abandon us and, and that was tough, but I got to really experience some real darkness then, you know. Um, so my grandmother died age seven. I'm just going to go through the list. My oldest sister, Vivian, I was 10 years old. She died um, eating pills, froze to death in the trailers, and then uh, couldn't sustain life when the ice storm came to the hospital and chopped off the, uh, the power to life support. My oldest brother died from electrical shock. Um... He was, you know, 
partying a lot and couldn't pay his bills and went outside and decided he was going to hook his power back up. And they found a lot of drugs in his system. So, yeah, that <clears throat> that one was pretty tough. And my sister, my other sister at age 17, she died in a very brutal fucking DUI accident where she was thrown out of the car at a convenience store and he drove away. He came back, got her, and drug her back into the car by the hair of her head. And they were drunk, arguing and fighting. And they crashed and the truck rolled over on top of her. So, And I actually walked up on that accident and seen everything. It was fucking horrifying. And, and that's the best description I could give. My mother, 35 years old. Um, that one was pretty tough. My stepfather, 40 years old, Jesse Lee. Um, it's my adopted family. Uh, that one was, was hard because he had become a very special person in my life. And, you know, it was, was tough when he died. He died of cancer. And then my father, my birth father, after we rekindled after 35 years, you know, he, in, the, in a year and a half's time, he died. He died, you know. So that one was 35 years. Well, the abandon. Well, first all the abuse, and then the abandonment, and then 35 years of what the fuck. And then we get back together, rekindle. In a year and a half, he died. So it was it was very hard to understand that, you know. And then my friend Steve, when I had two years clean, he worked for me, and we were really good friends. And he just didn't come to the meeting one night. And I knew something was wrong, but he blew his brains out. He couldn't stay clean. So, yeah, that was a tough one because he never talked to me about the suicide things, the, the, the you know, the, that fucking dark hole of depression. You know, he would share about, you know, life being tough. And he had just had a, a, a young a daughter, you know, was, I mean, a couple months old when he when he died. And then my friend Rick Hunter died of cancer. Twenty, I was twenty-eight, and then my friend Jim Miller he was fifty, and I was fifty. I mean, and Dan was my friend, probably the best male friend I'd ever had in my entire life. And what happened with Dan was he was my sponsor for close to a year, but we butted heads so hard, and. Man, we we got to this point where we just fucking did not like the sight of each other. So I just basically told him, "Hey, look, that's uh, I'm gonna get another sponsor, and we just be friends." So what happened? At that point, we were able to really get to know each other, like on a on a friendship level, on a personal level, and he became my spirit brother. And when Dan died. I think every one of these deaths poured out of me at the same time. He devastated me when he died. He died of a, a blood clot. He went to get his hip worked on in a hospital. His wife left the, that morning to go get some breakfast. And he said, okay, I'll see you in a little while. And then she got a call at breakfast with an app 30 minutes later. that She needed to get back to the hospital. By the time she got there, Dan was no longer with us. <laughs> So yeah, these uh these 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 so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And each one, as the next one progressed, you felt the last one also. And then the third one, you felt the last two also. And the fourth one, you felt the last three also. It's compounded and these compounding feelings because I never worked on them. I didn't know how. I was a damaged child at best. I, I had no coping skills, no defense mechanisms. I was wide open to the world to just fucking abuse me and fuck me up in any way you guys wanted to at all. I had no defense and it happened many times over. So the, the loss of all these special people in my life you know the the ones that really destroyed me like turned me into a fucking butterfuck was the, my sister Vivian my my brother Eddie and my sister Belinda 
that all happened, you know, like in a, a five, six year period. And, you know, on all three of them, I found out when I was high as a fucking kite. So even my, my, my oldest sister, when I was, I was um, 10 years old, I remember I was with my little friend in the apartment complex and these two girls who used to like pass around like candy balls and we were all just wide up 10 year old just it, it was fucking insane what it what happened was four little destroyed kids had met up and started you know smoking weed and having sex and just it was it was very weird for a bunch of little kids um but i think during that time is when my sister died and and well, I know during during that time is when my sister died because I was at that little girl's house, one of those girls, when when I when I found out. So yeah, it was pretty rough, rough on on me as a, a young person to to go through all these and and live that you know just the the reoccurring 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 and and you know it's like. Um, Compounded pain, compounded fractures, compounded um, misery. So, it, yeah, and, and you know, <laughs> I gotta say, the it, I had the same feelings around most of these. That you know, I had visiting spirits that I I didn't understand. Like I remember standing in the house. My cousin's house when, and this was when my brother died. I I remember the overwhelming fear of somebody was there with me, and I I didn't understand the, um, you know the spirit moving on, you know the soul taking off, and and uh, but some of us believe that you know a, a soul will hang around for a while, you know, or at least till you know they've they are told to leave or or uh you know feel that the fulfillment has happened and that you know there's some kind of spiritual connection that you know they wanted to say their last goodbye or something and and uh so yeah I I, I but it started to compound as people as more people died in my life I felt the surrounding of these these beings and it started to broaden my horizon on on what I was feeling while these um what do you call it um very powerful emotions was happening it's like my my emotions was wide open so these these things are coming in these beings and and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you know when we say um, in all our affairs, this Lakota ends all their prayers with in, in all my affairs because it's everything. And and as I was feeling these these pains of these people dying in my life, the the spirit of my ancestors was trying to coddle me or surround me or you know make sure that while I was open and these receptors were wide open and the pain was wide open, that nothing bad came in. But I remember a certain time, and it, and it was it started when my brother passed away and I was standing in the house. And I was young, man. I was like 14, 15 years old. And the overwhelming feeling of something dark and fucked up was surrounding me and I remember being so horrified standing in that house and you know anytime death is near us it's it's a strange strange feeling for for what we would consider human experience um, now spiritual experience you know when we when we would uh, feel some sort of openness, you know. I, I, if you're listening to the podcast on the video, I'm throwing my hands up like I'm opening my skull or something. But when we when we experience that openness, the power and the the 
the um well let's just say the power the power that is is going out and coming in is so um magical and dramatic and so as as progression of time goes in these the uh, you know the next person on the list passes on and the next person on the list passes on it got to the point where it was like I would do my very best to just block the feelings. So after my brother died and my sister died, when my sister died, her and I had a very brutal argument before she left my house. She was living at my house in the basement. And I remember I'm standing at the very top step and she's about three steps down and we're arguing with each other, and she was telling me that her ex was coming to pick her up, and I said, that motherfucker's going to kill you one day. And I walked away, and that was the, just the last fucking thing I ever said to her. And a couple hours later, my mom said, I got to go. We got to go pick Belinda up at this gas station. And, and it was up on Highway 41 and um, somewhere up in Ackworth, and you're talking about, oh, man, it was fucked up. So we get there to the store, and, and she went in. She parked the car at the convenience store, and we didn't see her, you know. And she went in, and, and while she was in the store, a couple fire trucks and ambulance and police cars was flying by. And I, and I said, man, something's going on down there. And my mother come running out the store, and I had this overwhelming feeling of death is near and she just was freaking out they had an accident down the street I'm like who and she said um, you know my, it was my sister and so we get down there and there's a little line of cars you know and the, and, and the, the flashing lights because it's just gotten it was almost dark it wasn't quite dark yet it was almost dark and I got out and I ran down there and my sister's laying under the fucking truck. Just, you know, not going too graphic into it because it's completely fucking pointless, but it just was no longer her, let's put it that way. But as I was running down there, I felt this shift move through my body. This, this just of, it was so powerful that I just hit my knees and the police, you know, or a fire person or something, I don't know, came up and he's like, "What? who are you? And I said, that's my sister under that truck. And I'm freaking out, you know. And, and they kept saying, well, dickheads will be at the police station. You can go, you know, talk to him. And I'm, I'm like, I, fuck that guy. I don't give a shit, you know. So we leave. And, you know, we're talking to the police and they left and pulled her out and put her in the, in the you know, I mean, and look, man, the, the, the fucking overwhelming, brutal guilt. And that's the um, another topic we have here is the survivor's guilt, the the the. Um, you know, it's what we feel when we're left behind. And, and it's not necessarily, I survived and I feel guilty. It's the, the guilt of all the shit and shame you've caused that person and that person has caused you. And it, and a lot of it, like she was one of the ones that was molested time and time again by my father. And, and you know, just to back up a little bit, one day I found her in a closet with a butcher knife and was going to kill herself, and I begged her, you know, just give me the fucking knife, and she did, and we had our first real deep, dark discussion about what our father had created in her life, and she was so fucking tortured. So the, the her and I had experienced a lot of things, you know, her and my brother and myself as... I think my oldest sister kind of um, had worked through some of that, maybe, or maybe not. I mean, fuck, she died at 
fucking froze to death and doing pills in an old trailer in Louisiana. So I don't know, maybe not. Maybe she was more fucked up than all of us. But I know for a fact the, the abuse that my brother and I and my sister Belinda had, had taken on, um, it was severe. It was so bad and so fucked up that, you know, her life ending was a tragic to me. It was one of those that I was talking about earlier when people get on a different timeline and they're, and you're just left behind and you're just standing there going, what the fuck? Like, what, what about me? And you know, the, the thing about it is, is all these deaths, like uh, through all of them, you get this overwhelming feeling about how could you do this to me? Or why did you leave me? Or, you know, let me tell you what happened to me. My, my sister died or my brother died or my friend died. Well, it didn't fucking happen to you. Okay. It happened to them. All right, and and what happens is, is we attach ourselves to the feelings of the loss, and the deeper we dig, the more things we find that we loved about them. And and you know, we can talk a lot of shit about people. I've seen it so many times. People in the fellowship die, and the people that talked the most shit about them go up there and cry. And I miss you. I can't believe it. It's so sad. It's like, dude, all you did was talk shit about this guy. I've seen it so many times. I've seen it. I've fucking seen it. When people die, the the worst enemy comes out and 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 betrays the the fucking timeline of the shit y'all had together. Like I I don't get it. I don't understand. But it's hard to deal with these emotions. These these are the things in life that fuck human beings up. I mean they the the power of loss is so phenomenal and you try to pack a bunch of shit in there to fill it you just you know it it shreds a part of your guts and you just pack shit in to fill it a new fucking person or drugs or just fucking or you go into a deep dark severe mortal hell okay you know i talked my mother i talked about my mother here when my mother died she had the abusive life, then lost three children, then lost three men that she was going to marry. All three died. The first one died in an 18-wheeler accident. He was pulled up to the train tracks, and he was too close. The train sucked his truck in and just mince meat at him, fucked him up. Then the next one um, died in a car accident. Just driving home one night, fell asleep at the wheel, boom, it's gone. And then the third one, Ralph, was a drunk from Wales, and he fucking drank himself to death. Liver failure, he just died. So when you talk about compounded pain and fractured soul, my mother was destroyed. And through all of that, I still caused the, so much pain in her life. But I will tell you this. The day I got clean, my mother's prayers were answered because I was the fourth in line and had died a few times, but was lucky enough. I can say that. I was lucky enough to be brought back. You know, whether it was Narcan or, or CPR or... Um, you know, something that someone did to save me. At the time my mother saw me get clean, she had put a different faith into me. And when she died, there was a will that was one thing. And it was that I was to make the final decision for her life. And man, you talking about some really, 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 really fucking harsh feelings for three days i hated her i loved her i missed her i was glad she was gone i was so fucking destroyed that she would do this to me but then one of my higher up counsels my sponsor said you selfish little motherfucker your mother's been through so much shit and she gave you the ultimate 
the ultimate choice in life is to pass her on by your choice, by your choice. You're the one that if you were left in the position to do it, you had to make the choice. Like, cause she could have, you know, died instantly and I wouldn't have had to make that choice, but she was in a position where I had to make a choice there. It was mandatory. I, I could not, it could not go on for it. Now I could have said, fuck you. I'm not making that decision too bad. She could still be laying there, you know, many years later hooked up to fucking life support because it happens all the time that's some selfish shit man to leave someone laying there completely fucking brain dead no longer in residing in that body and to leave them laying there on a machine because you can't handle the loss is fucking selfish a coma that's different I've experienced that I felt and, and, you know, my kids had to deal with that. Let's put it that way. My kids had to deal with, you know, the, the comatose state where I, I wasn't there, but I wasn't gone. That there's a chance that's different. But if somebody's done and they have moved to the spirit world and we're just keeping their body alive, like that's some selfish shit because we can't let go of the timeline that we have with them. They've already fucking moved on. You know, maybe they're hovering around. Maybe they're, you know, one of those people that stand in the corner up at the lights or something. Fuck, I don't know. But I just feel like that's some selfish shit, you know. But that's my shit. That's, uh, maybe you're one of the people that's dealing with that. And, you know, if you need help dealing with that, guess what? I've been through it. I know a few other people's been through it. We can walk you through it. Um... You know, one I I want to mention here, too, is uh, Bobby, my friend Bobby. That He worked for me for a little while, and, and he was murdered and thrown on the train tracks, and the train, like, did some things that, you know, wasn't nice to his leftover body. Um, but, you know, my heart goes out, out to his father, who is my very good friend, and he has also lost his other son, so... You know, being with my mother so long, I listened to a lot of, you know, her pain over the years and watched her deteriorate and her body was just destroyed. She had 43 episodes of heart murmur or failure and uh, two heart attacks, one open heart surgery, or maybe it was three heart attacks, and then went into a stroke. And then fell and hit her head, and that made her brain dead. You know, so yeah. And and I have you know some sort of a story for all these people connecting me deeply to their life, not just oh that was the guy I went to meetings with. No, or that was you know like we're talking sisters, mothers, grandfathers, fathers, um, sponsors, and you know very 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 deep deep connected friendships. Um. So the one I wanted to talk about and wrap this up was Dan, who was the, the man that taught me how to love another man because I fucking hated men. They did nothing but abuse me for years and, and you know, betray me and abuse me. And, and I fucking hated men. But he changed all that. He, he made it to where... <clears throat> I was able to let that wall down and we were just such good friends and and spirit brothers. Like we bonded spiritually, you know. And, and then when he died, every one of these deaths poured out with that and it was fucking paralyzing. I could not move for three or four days. I was just stuck in my bedroom, fucked up. And it was horrifying. And, you know, I haven't been able to talk about Dan for two years. And, you know, when I went to the Sundance and I gave it all to the to this great spirit and said, I, I can't hang on to this shit anymore. It's hurting me inside. And I was able to let go of the, the, the frozen moments of all these, 
losses in my life. So a lot of fire work, you know, sitting around the fire and there's actually a planned episode coming up about fire and the answers within. So look forward to that. Um, so yeah, this is, this is a tough place to be, you know, with coping with, with death or, or loss or just any situation where our timeline shifts and it had nothing to do with our decision. Like that's, that's the toughest timeline shifts. So the next thing would be um, breaking the silence of sexual assault or rape. Like, okay, so we're moving into a whole nother fucking ball game here. We're, we're moving into something that physically happened to us. Death is something that physically happened to them. Um, even if you were in a car accident and someone died and you were there and they were your friend or your you know loved one or whatever, they, that constituted something that did happen to you, but the death itself happened to them. So we have to learn how to separ separate the... the um, you know, I've tried my best to make sure I'm not, not going to hurt anybody's feelings here, but that shit did not happen to you. You have to learn to let it go and, and, and you know, just put it in the place it belongs, at least. At least... Put it in the place that, man, that happened to them. And what happened to me was I experienced a loss. That's what happened to us. So in the, in the, in the uh, you know, breaking the silence of sexual assault. All right, if you've moved past this and you talk about it, and great. You know, comment down in the basement on the videos and on the podcast. Like, you know, go over there and, and uh, you know, email us at hanksmith904 at gmail. Because some people need to hear from you. Like you're you're the you're the healer. I say it all the time, you know. You know, talking to everybody, you are the healer, but when we are incapable of healing ourselves, we need people who've experienced these things. And the desires that we have to harm ourselves are fucking brutal. So if you have moved past this, come talk to us. You know, be a guest on the podcast. You know, let's let's hear about the experiences you've had and how you overcame them because I've way overcame this stuff, but the damage is still there. The fragments are still there, and I'm literally in my life right now experiencing healings from other people through their physical beings being there with me their spirit walks that they've walked that they're allowing me to walk with them the the choices in food changes and the complete fucking timeline shift that is how we deal with these things and how we become the healer and i say to everybody you're the healer when when somebody says i healed him horse shit now, if you cut yourself open and the doctor sews you up so you don't bleed to death, I mean, he he definitely saved your life. He healed, he healed the bleeding, but he didn't heal that cut. What heals that cut is the the molecules and the blood <clears throat> and the blood cells. Excuse me, and the blood cells inside your body. That's what heals you. <clears throat> so. As far as being a healer of your own self and your own spirit, you are the healer. And sometimes it just takes us going and getting with people that have been through that. That's shamanic practices. You know, when someone's shaman work experience helps you get better and you learn those things and then you become a worker in the shaman, shamanic field and you know, shadow workers and, and things of that nature, you know, mediums and people who have been through some severe shit, you know, very, very, very seldom do you find someone who would call themselves a healer actually never had been through anything. Like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, I mean, there are those children who, who come to this life and they experienced magical special powers. It's not, I don't, you know, I don't mean magic. Like, look at me, I can move this pencil, and 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 even that. That's that's a whole nother 
fucking realm of specialness. But I'm talking about the people who have been through utter fucking hell and they've started working with some sort of spiritual movement and it started to get better. So they started to heal themselves. And you can do that. You are a healer. Every And I'm speaking to every fucking person listening to this. You are the healer of self. And if you have figured out how to heal yourself, then you better speak up because other people... Dude, we are in a, a, a very harsh place on this planet right now. But we're also in a very magical place because everybody's starting to open up to this and realize, okay, we've been through some shit. It's time to... Like, get serious with helping people. So, especially with this, this topic, breaking the silence of sexual assault and rape. Um, this is a quick brush in because we're warming up for the next podcast. And it will definitely be discussing more into this topic. And, and uh, but, you know, if you, if you are one of those people and you have experienced this, you know, my heart goes out to you because it's devastating. It, but I grew up in this. Like it, it became, you know, it was the blackout mode where shit starts happening. You just go somewhere else. You disappear. I learned to astral project many years ago, many years ago when physical beating started happening and sexual abuse and sexual assault. I just left. I, you know, it, it was a, I don't know it was a gift I was being trained for because later in life some real shit happened and I I just checked out. I just I I went to the the plane of spirit world and I've, I've been able to contact that spirit world a very long time. Um so if you are one of those people who's experienced this type of abuse, um tragic tragic abuse, it's fucking horrible. Um, you know, my heart goes out to you because just to break the silence, just to go to someone and say, hey, listen, this happened to me. That's, man, that's powerful. That That is powerful, powerful, powerful. I was a child and it got, it got exposed when I was very young. And that neighbor that was doing those things went to, went to prison, you know, and back in the 70s, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. You, you went to jail for a couple of years. Now it's like real, you know, some real consequences come behind that stuff. But, yeah, it's it's hard to open these these discussions and these topics. So, you know, the, the reason I talk about it so much, I've, I've stood on a stage in front of thousands of people and openly discussed how I was molested and, and, and thrown in a, a little... Um, drug house sex ring and was kind of in prison there with you know um, you know there's a lot of drugs there I was being drugged heavily you know a lot of lot of needles and you know I was I was uh, 13 years old and the part that made it so fucked up in my living memory after that is I after a week I I was allowed to leave and I was so strung out that I, a couple days, I couldn't take it anymore. I, I went back and I took that shit again. And you're talking about destroying me. Um, because there's three levels to this. The first level was the party I went to. And like six women were playing a joke on me in front of all these men. And they were kissing and sucking on my neck and putting hickeys on. And one chick unzipped my pants and started sucking my dick. And it led to, you know, a full-on fucking, like, we're fucking this kid, right? And, and it was horrible. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I was a studly little kid that loved having sex with people. Um, but at that time, it, it I, I remember leaving the next morning destroyed. I ran all the way home and literally literally fucking cried for a couple of days. But then my neighbor, two two or three apartments over, was one of the guys at the party. You know, he's like, hey, man, I know we're going to go to this party. He goes, man, but won't nothing happen to you. I, you know, I, 
you'll be all right. So we went there and it was that party with, you know, grown men, a lot of drugs, and let's pass it around the teenager. And uh, so those three things compiled on top of each other was pretty painful. But here's a real twister for the story. My mother said one day, you know, we were living in that apartment and she had completed some courses or something and got, got a, a, a big raise at her job. And she's like, we're getting a house. And I got rented us this house. And yeah, we pulled in the driveway and it was the same fucking house where the women had their way with me. And I fucking lived there. I lived in the basement of that house. And you talking about there was some feelings all over that. I, you know, and what was I going to do? Oh, mom, we can't live in this house. I was molested by six women here in front of a bunch of dudes drinking and partying and doing drugs. Like I, I, what could I say? I was still a prisoner in my own house. Like, let's, let's talk about that. Like how fucking brutal was that? But I couldn't talk about it. I wasn't going to tell my mother I was, you know, sexually do it. but she had caught me in her shower with a 24 year old woman when I was you know like 14 years old and that wasn't pretty um you know so it wasn't that it was you know a lot okay the, the thing is it was forced it was in front of a lot of grown men and I was a little kid I was already a damaged little kid and the having to go back and live in that same house was fucking torture. And, you know, I was abused in that house by my sister's um, live-in boyfriend, whatever, and woke up to his boot in my face a few times. It was devastating. So, you know, getting out of that house was was definitely a, a part of life that was fucking weird. Like, it, it just... It was a timeline that was, um, yeah, there are no words for that kind of shit. So if you're going through this and you have these types of, of episodes or <clears throat> things you need to talk about, but here's the catch. Here's the catch. You know, starting these conversations opens us up. And we better be ready to dig deep because... We'll open up and feel that peel, that feeling and that overwhelming pain. And, and we want to go right back into the deep, dark hole of depression. So we have to have something set up where we can start talking to people. Somebody. we got to talk to somebody about it. It has to be exposed. It must be exposed. Because if you carry this forever, you will carry this motherfucker with you that did this to you. And to separate from this person is probably the hardest thing I've ever experienced is to being able to separate from the person. Like it's always like they have their hand on you or, or you know, for many years someone would touch me and it was like the immediate feeling was one of those dudes or one of those women or my father or whatever. Just it took a long time, you know. So if you meet somebody here, this is a, a very valuable lesson. If you meet someone and they have been through this, but they don't talk about it, I mean, give them a fucking break. Like, allow them to be who they are. Don't force them. Don't make them do things they don't want to do. You know, I've been in a few relationships where I had moved on for some, from some things, so I was ready to, like, you know, be, um, you know, a little active, and the person may not have been comfortable with that, and I... I'm sure there was times I made them feel bad about it. Um, but, you know, if you're one of those people, man, fuck, I, I deeply apologize because, see, you know, I didn't have a lot of this information then. I was receiving data and I was receiving information through the Great Spirit and through the ancestors and, you know, just time itself as I was planning and, and projecting into the, the spirits. I would gather information. A lot of that information was was directions and ways to get this shit inside of me out. And but some of it were were my own 
things that I had buried. And that is, is powerful stuff. Like be careful when you get ready to start having these conversations because, you know, to, to separate yourself from these attackers and these people who did you wrong is the first and hardest thing to do. Then we have to go deep and work on these kind of things. So, yeah, I feel like we've kind of gone deep enough into these subjects and by no means am I trying to bum anybody out, but these are real deals, man. And I told you, you know, the the name of this podcast is From the Gut. And we're going deep. We're going to go so fucking deep. You know, again, a lot of people are not comfortable listening to this type of stuff. They don't want to fucking deal with their own shit. But I guarantee you they'll come back to this someday or something similar. When you start the work of opening up these channels and, and channeling other other entities that can help you, whether it be people on this planet right now or people who have left this planet, you can channel them and you can tap into the power that it takes and the support that you need to, to work through these things. And, and again, it's not easy. It's not something you're just going to make a decision and go, ah, fuck that guy. I'm never going to give you another thought again. You know what? As I've made this video, I have had the reliving of every episode of every one of these tragedies in my life. It, just sitting right here on this on this fucking podcast right now, recording this right now, I've relived every bit of this shit. But one of the things I have done in in this life, in in spirit work, and doing you know a, a lot of um, shadow work and and fragmented you know soul loss work is it gets easier. It gets easier because. You're going to help people. I promise you're going to help people. There's people that want to kill themselves right now. That the moment they hear someone talking about this, they something open up in them that says, man, I could do that. I could talk about it. You mean I can let this shit go? You mean I can work through this and it'll go away? Nope. It ain't going away. But what happens is you get to sit by the fire, not in the fire. And you're no longer being burned by it. And and that's one of the ways I can explain it to where it's less painful. But yeah, if, again, if you're if you're into to uh, you know, bad thoughts and suicidal thoughts and you're in the deep dark fucking pool of depression, like please, man, contact us, get with us. And uh you know, support what we're doing here because this is all about helping people realize and and become functional in their own soup of shit, you know, because that's what's happened to us. Is humans consume a lot of pain and we're not willing to share that pain. You know, there's there's like this. You can have my cars, you can have my house, you can have the fucking animals, the goats, the wives, the fucking kids, but my pain is mine. And see, I lived that way for years. Now I'm like, you ain't getting none of my shit unless I want to give it to you. And you can have this fucking pain. Okay? Like, there's a thing called a trapped shaman. Where shamans will work on people and they'll help them so much and they'll contact them and they'll release that energy from them. But what happens when you touch someone? A hug. Think of a hug. Think of when you hug someone as somebody you really like and you hug for a long time. The energy transfer is fucking magical. So when shamans do that and they help you and they work on you, they take on a piece of this. So it, there has to be a, a way for any spirit worker to to um, release some of these things. And the one I had to learn to release the most was my stuff, my pain, my, my, um, prison. I had to, I had to open that cell door and climb out of my own fucking prison. And that was the hardest thing, you know? So if you are in that place where you are, have a lot of tragedy or, or any tragedy, don't, you know, the cool part is, is you don't have to wait for it to be two, three, five, nine times compiled. You know, if something happened to you, start talking about it. Get with somebody. 
Let's don't go down that dark road of depression and 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 feel that pain and that loss of how people could betray you and be, you know, do brutal things to your life. Like, let's just talk about it. So, but yeah, I just wanted to go a little deep today because it's been on my heart a lot lately. And I know there's a lot of people out there that need to be in a position where they can start getting better. So let's, let's help them do that. Let's help them get better and, and start bringing spirit in great spirit. Please help anybody here that's watching or listening to this podcast and help them, you know, grow and, and understand that the, these things are not who they are. Like I'm telling you that now, this is not who you are. These things that happened to you does not define you. It's just some shit that happened. And again, the most important thing is we have to decide, did this happen to us or did this happen to someone else? And we just feel the pain of it. So if somebody died, it didn't happen to you. You didn't die. They died. The lingering pain is what we're dealing with, the human side. So the spirit will release some of that. But anyway, podcast number uh, episode 13 from the gut. I'm Hank Smith. Over and out.